Welcome back to the show, everybody. I hope you're doing well today. My name is Joe Orico, and this is the Fantasy MLB Today podcast, which is a sports ethos presentation. You guys can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99. That's at J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. And you can also go ahead and follow the Ethos Fantasy BB account, which is E-T-H-O-S Fantasy BB. Now, daily, both of those accounts post out this show. And throughout the season, we're going to be getting you more fantasy-related content on both of those channels. So today, we are wrapping up our position breakdown shows. Kind of sad to see them come to an end. It's been kind of fun going over some uh, early round guys to target and avoid, late round value, things like that. It's been a lot of fun, but there's only so much of it we can do. We are at the final position. We have, I technically could have split it up into two shows, but I think uh, we'll do one longer show today and we'll go over some pitching depth. Um, Similar to the outfielder show, we're looking beyond pick 100 in most cases to see who's maybe fallen down draft boards, who you can acquire later on in your drafts for for major discounts. So we'll be going past pick 100 today for the most part as we look to find those value guys later on. And some of these guys are going to be fairly big names. They're just not getting drafted particularly high. So we'll talk about them. Let's start off today with Shane McClanahan, uh, who I I really enjoyed watching him pitch last year. I just find, uh, I don't know, there's something about watching his delivery that's just, I don't, I, it's hard to really put your finger on it. I just, there's something about the way he pitches that is pleasing to the eye. He was pitching for a weird Tampa Bay Rays team, admittedly. They traded away one of their supposed stars, Austin Meadows, last night. They're still going to be a good team. They're still going to be a team that's fighting for their division. They're going to win, knowing the Rays, probably 90, between 90 and 100 wins. 100 might be a little much, but the Rays, you, you never know with the Rays. They could win 110 games, and it wouldn't really be too surprising. Now, they're going to be starting this season with Shane Baz and Tyler Glass now both on the shelf. Baz, I don't think will be as long as Glass now, but there is definitely a need of a the higher end uh, arm in that rotation, which he was last year over 123 innings. His ERA was 3.43. He won 10 games. The whip was a little on the high side, but I, I feel confident that he'll take another step forward this year. Um. He's, he's a good strikeout pitcher. He had 141 strikeouts in 123 innings. And there were times when he was very dominant strikeout-wise. But there is also something to be said for being careful about drafting any pitchers in the American League East. Just because there's going to be four very competitive teams. Now, Tampa is one of those competitive teams that he obviously won't have to face. Uh, any Orioles pitchers are a no-go this year, I think. But McClanahan will still have to face the Red Sox, the Yankees, and the Blue Jays fairly often, as he did last year, sure. But I feel like those teams, with maybe the exception of the Yankees, have gotten stronger. So it's something to definitely take into consideration. He's going around pick 106. I think that's a fairly reasonable area to start taking a chance on him. Now, the ADP that I'll mention here is based on Fantasy Pros, and 
from what I understand, they combine uh, multiple different formats. So if you're doing a draft and you see somebody whose ADP uh, is not corresponding to what I've said it is, it's because this is kind of just averaging out a lot of the different sites. It's not, uh, it's not always going to correspond to what you are looking at or what you're playing in, depending on your league and your settings and all that. So that's something else to keep in mind here as we go forward. Luis Castillo is a very interesting one for me for the Cincinnati Reds. He was someone who burned me very hard in draft season last year. I had him in the back of my mind. I was thinking that he was probably going to win the Cy Young Award last year, which ended up being foolish of me. But he really did fix it down the stretch. If you can take away the first month or two of the season for him last year, he was one of the better guys down the stretch. Now, the team around him is now a trash heap. Sorry to any Cincinnati fans listening, but there's really, there's nothing going on there. Jonathan India, I mean, he's, he's a positive for sure. And Joey Votto, who's 38 years old now, but they've got rid of Castellanos. They got rid of Winker, Tucker Barnhart. Sure. Not much of a loss there really, but they've, their lineup got worse. Their lineup definitely got worse. They've lost a lot of pieces. So there's something, there's some worry there for sure. There was a better team that he was on last year and eight wins for Castillo. And now that was on him more so than the team around him. But it certainly doesn't help your prospects when your team gets significantly worse. The Reds are not going to be very competitive this year. There's a chance that Castillo can be competitive. Uh, Even with the horrible start to the year last year, he had a 398 ERA. And he does have really high upside. So he's going around pick 103. And it's also someone I'm a little bit nervous about just because when someone's burned me last year, I typically don't take them this year. Um, It's not just a baseball thing. It's just kind of the way I am with fantasy sports. Just to relate it to basketball for a quick second. I drafted Ja Morant last year for you basketball fans. And he, fantasy-wise, was brutal i took him very early on so this year i had a chance to take him and i didn't i took michael porter jr instead of him and that was a horrible mistake and it was simply because i was afraid to get burned again like i did last year with jaw so it's a cautionary tale there will be times where you will get burned on an early pick you'll get burned on a late pick you'll there it's honestly it's like gambling. This is really, even if you're just playing in a free league, this is fairly equivalent to gambling. So I would take a shot on him at pick 103, but that is a gamble. That is, there's a chance that he is brutal like he was last year and could barely maintain value in the top few hundred, like top 300, 400 kind of thing. He was brutal early on. So, I mean, there was a lot of positives down the stretch with him. And I think it's fairly worth it to take a chance here. But caution. Always caution with someone who's burned you in the past. That's the way I operate. You're going to lose out on some players, perhaps, with that kind of mentality. But there's just certain guys. There's certain people that, you know, it's, it's personal. It's nothing that you can really justify by the numbers. I mean, you can justify it if you go back to last year in the early parts. But there's just something in my gut. Just, oh, he burned me. Like, that's that's all it is. He burned me. And 
I haven't taken him in any drafts so far this year. But in that range, yeah, I think it's probably worth a flyer just because of the really high upside. But it is a tough one for me, Luis, because of the burning, the burn job he did early on me last year. Let's move on. Uh, let's talk about Clayton Kershaw, someone who I've grown up really admiring. He's still a good pitcher. He's still a very good pitcher. And he's being drafted, pick 107, same range as these other guys. I, You know, out of the three that I've mentioned so far, Kershaw, McClanahan, and Castillo, I think Kershaw feels the safest to me. He's obviously multiple Cy Youngs, MVP, Hall of Famer, blah, blah, blah. But later on in your career, those things matter less and less. It is still something that I look at with Clayton because he's never really had a bad year. I mean, I think there was maybe one year, his first year or two, where he had an ERA over four, I think one time, and then that's literally the only time ever. He's pitching for the best team in baseball. As much as I love my Blue Jays, the Dodgers are the best team in baseball. Especially once they got Craig Kimbrell last week. I think that really cemented it for me. Once they lost Kenley Jansen, it was a bit of a mystery. But Craig Kimbrell, who we'll talk about later today, really, really solidified that team for me. I see Kershaw doing probably what he did last year. I mean, you kind of have to expect that he's going to miss a bit of time with an injury because that's what we've come a bit accustomed to. But if he can give you 120 innings or so, then that's worth it. That's worth it in this range. He was, you know, not as elite as he's been these last couple of years, sure. But he's still striking out. I think it's a. I'm trying to do the number in my head here. 11 or so guys per nine innings last year. A 3.55 ERA. I mean, it's outside of the top hundred to have that kind of established guy. He's still. Fairly young, Clayton. I mean, 34. He's still, he's not like past it, past it. I would still look, I would still look for him to give you similar value to what he's done uh, in these past couple of years. Now, ERA the year before this year was 216. And so this is 355 that he's had last year was the highest he had going back to 2008. It is the first time he's been above three, except for one year where he was 3.03, just barely above three. This is the first time he's been above three since his rookie season. So I do have a lot of faith in him. I have a lot of confidence in Kershaw being able to be productive. Maybe not be that stellar ace of the past that we have known, but in this range, I really like taking a flyer on him. I mean, there are a lot of guys in this range I really like taking a flyer on. But not all of those guys play for the best team in baseball and have the pedigree that he does. Despite the fact that he has turned the corner, he's not that elite, elite guy anymore. He can still be a really great pitcher and he can still be a great fantasy asset. Let's talk Pablo Lopez. Who I really like, actually. I really like Pablo Lopez. He's going off the board around pick 124. And it seems really low to me. I I mean, his ERA last year was 3.07. Granted, it was only 102 innings. That Marlins team has gotten better. So those five wins he had last year, I think he could give you 12 to 14 wins this year. Honestly, I think that that Marlins team is going to surprise some people. They're playing in a really good division. 
that would be the one thing holding them back. But they've gone out and they've spent some money on the outfield. They've got a good pitching staff. I think that they're better than people are going to expect them to be. And I think Lopez will be one of the reasons why. His his numbers were very, very good last year. And to take, a, take him here round 10-ish, around round 10, that's really a bargain for me. I really like that there. Uh, just really solid. Yeah. It's, it's, it's surprising me a little bit that he is this low. Like I thought he would be in the same range probably as guys like a Dylan Cease or his teammate, Trevor Rogers, who are being drafted inside the top hundred, but Lopez here, 124. That's a good value for him. That's really nice. Let's talk about Sean Manaya, who has recently been traded. Uh, he had to pitch against his old team the other day in his first day. Uh, the day he was traded, actually. He was traded from the Athletics to the Padres. And then immediately had to pitch in a spring game against his former teammates. A lot of smiles around. It looked like a fun time for everybody. As sad as it probably was to be traded, probably not quite that sad going from brutal Oakland team to an up-and-coming San Diego team. So the situation got better um, around him. In terms of Manea himself, the ADP is maybe a little bit high at uh, at 129. I don't hate it, but um, the ERA was 391 last year. It's not, like, gorgeous or anything like that. He's He's fine. Uh, I'm not particularly going to be jumping on him in this area. And, I mean, a lot of people will be drafting him maybe solely because of the situation change. And there is not much road to win value in Oakland. Those guys are going to be bad. I'm sorry for you Oakland fans listening. But Oakland is going to be really bad this year. And probably for several years to come. I mean, they have they've gutted their team. So he's definitely in a better situation. I don't have too much faith around this pick. My advice would probably be, probably be to not draft in this range. But it's not like a firm do not draft. It would just probably be more of a don't jump for him. I'm not to- I'm not really big on Manea. I think he has good potential, but I don't think he's going to be an elite guy really I'm not I'm not really sold on him there let's move on let's talk about Nate Eovaldi who actually had a pretty good season last year for the Red Sox he struck out 195 guys 11 wins a 375 ERA I'm a little more confident in Eovaldi than I would be in Manaya. now they're being drafted around the same pick 127 for Eovaldi 129 for Sean Manaya. But I feel maybe a bit more confident in Eovaldi. Um, the Red Sox are going to be a better team than the Padres, I think, especially with them losing Fernando Tatis. He strikes out more guys. Uh, lower whip. I, I'm taking in that range, if, if, it, if it does come down to those two guys, then I'm probably going to go with the Eovaldi, just because of the strikeouts, really. But there is... Also something to be said for a guy who pitches on a better team. 
Now, the caveat of all those guys in the American League East is that they are in the American League East, and they might be great. Like, even Garrett Cole, I think, is being overdrafted this year. His division is crazy. His division is crazy good. The Yankees didn't really get much better this offseason. They might have got worse. It's 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 close. Maybe not worse, but they really, like, they didn't do much. So, in that division, Cole's going to struggle a little bit more than people, I think, are expecting. And it might be similar with Ivaldi, but I do have faith that around this pick he will return um, at least similar value to where he's being picked, around 120, 130 kind of value. Uh, that seems that seems about right. Uh, let's talk about Zach Allen, who I had talked about in a couple of my demo shows, for sure in one of them. Uh, you know, he's someone who is been a lot better than what he was last year for his entire career and I think we're looking at a massive comeback season coming from Zach I don't I don't have a ton of confidence in the Diamondbacks they're not a good team they're not but for his career the ERAs let me list them out year by year 281 272 well, the 281 is for a full season. It's part of the year with Miami, who was 272. Finished the year with Arizona, 289. The pandemic-shortened season, 275. So that's kind of who he was before this last year. Now, he had never pitched this many innings as he did last year. But I still do feel very safe in drafting him in this range. He's going around pick 140. He's someone that I've targeted. I've taken in a points league. Um... Yeah, just one point, so you got drafted him in so far. But I feel like in this range, he's not going to really hurt you too bad. There's a lot of guys around here who are kind of similar um, similar kind of pitchers, not exactly the same, but similar kind of risk associated with them. And honestly, I really like Zach Allen. I would make him a target on your draft days in this 140-150 range because – you know, if he's the 13th, 14th guy you've drafted to your team, something like that, 11th guy, 12th guy, that's a really big steal for him, in my opinion. I really like him in this range, and I think that he'll return at very minimum the at-pick value, which would be like top 140 value. I think that that's easy to see. I think that he's someone you guys should be thinking about targeting. Now, the reason I kind of stay away from saying you guys must draft so-and-so, you guys have to take this guy, that guy, is because there's so many different leagues and formats that it's it kind of can be, for me to just say you have to take so-and-so can be a bit disingenuous. There's some formats where some guys are really great and some, um, some formats where guys are getting drafted lower than other guys. And that's great. If you can get guys really low that makes sense, then sure. But the fact that there are so many different formats and there's ESPN and there's Yahoo and there's CBS and there's all kinds of different scoring systems that for me to just sit here and say that anybody is must draft wouldn't be me uh, being really truthful to you guys as a whole. Now, a lot of these guys, I'm speaking generally, so... I think a guy's going to have a bounce-back season. 
compared to a bad season, and that'll help you in points leagues and category leagues for the most part. But there are a lot. There's a lot more nuance to it than just he's going to be good. Draft him, especially in a category league. There are categories where certain guys will really help you, certain guys will really hurt you. So I've had some of you guys ask me questions on Twitter. If you're going to ask questions, specify your league format, specify the teams. If it's a points league, talk about what the player averages per game in your points league because that is where I actually do value uh, per game per game numbers is in a points league uh, as opposed to a category league because it just gives you more of a clear picture. I've talked about in a video last week about how the per game basis in a category league rankings can be kind of deceiving and not necessarily deceiving, but hard to follow for the average person who's not very mathematically inclined. Numbers are broken down in fractions and you know, you see a guy hit 0.23 home runs per game last year, or your guy hit 0.18 or 0.34. It's it can be kind of annoying to sort through that data yourself and sit there with your calculator out and say, okay, if he hits 0.34 homers per game over the next two weeks, then he'll hit on average 2.3 home runs. You know, like that's just that's just <clears throat> that's just nonsense to me. Some people might like to do it like that, but I. I'm not a big fan of that particular way of uh, of format. So if you're talking about a points league and you're asking questions, then please specify the format, what site you use, what your player averages, who you're asking about. Those are really important. And without that kind of context, no one can really answer your questions correctly. People can give you good advice, good general advice, which is what I try and do here. For you guys is just give you good advice, safe plays, but no one can answer specific league questions without context. You need a lot of context to really examine anything, but especially uh, fantasy, fantasy baseball. So let's talk about, this will be just a general pitching show. So we're going to talk about a couple of closers as well, and we're going to talk about Craig Kimbrell. Now, it was on last Friday's show, I believe, when Craig was traded. I th- I'm thinking it was Friday. It was Friday's show when uh, the Kimbrel and AJ Pollock swap happened on the show. You can go back and listen to that one. At the time, Craig Kimbrel's ADP was about 180, and I said, go draft him, go take him if your leagues are today. You need to go draft him, and his ADP has now moved up to 137. So he is going, on average, 50 picks higher than he was on Friday. In the next day or two before the season starts, I'm sure he'll move up even more. He's going to be the closer on the best team in baseball. He's one of the better closers in the history of baseball. He's he's a clear draft to me in that range. He's he can bring you the kind of value that those guys like Liam Hendricks and Josh Hader are bringing you, and they're bringing you inside the top 50 for picks. I mean, less so uh, with Rezel Iglesias, but similar kind of production there. But you're getting Kimbrel almost 100 picks later. You're saving 100 picks. You still have you still get an elite elite closer who has fallen so much in drafts early on is because of Liam Hendricks and because he was stuck behind Liam Hendricks. And I think once he was traded to the White Sox last year, 
his ERA was terrible. He's just he's not a setup guy. He doesn't thrive in that situation. He thrives under pressure. I think he'll be under not a ton of pressure because there's not really another option in that bullpen. I mean, they can go like a Blake Trinan if they want, if he doesn't work out. But I think Kimbrell is pretty secured, like locked into like 30, 35 saves this year. Crazy high strikeout and crazy low ERA numbers. I could be I could be wrong, but that is the Craig Kimbrell we know and we love dating back to his days with the Braves. And that is what we have become accustomed to with him. Last year, I see as being a blip on the radar. It's because of the trade. Before he was traded last year, he was one of the best pitchers in baseball. And I know that might sound like kind of a lot, but he was. He was really one of the best pitchers in baseball last year. Uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think his ERA was under one before he was traded to the White Sox. I could be wrong. I'm going to pull that up right now. But I think it was in that around one ERA, maybe even under one, like absurdly low. Okay, guys. Before he was traded from the Cubs to the White Sox, in 36 innings, his ERA was .49. He'd given up two earned runs in 36 innings. And then once he got traded to the White Sox, 13 earned runs in 23 innings. Something was not right there. I don't know that we've ever really seen him that bad before. The first couple of years in the Cubs, there was definitely some downturn, but granted 20 innings and 15 innings respectively in those seasons when he wasn't good, he wasn't healthy. When Craig is healthy and he has a solid closer role, that's bread and butter, bread and butter. In this range, and I, I know I'm going to sound like an ass because I just said, can't really say anybody's a must draft. He's kind of a must draft there still. He was certainly a must draft last week when he was going around and pick 180. A complete afterthought who's going to be a top 50 player most likely. Really somebody to take an eye on, to keep an eye on. Because every day his ADP is going to keep going up and up and up. Probably up five slots every day. It's gone up on average more than that these last couple days, but the regular season will be starting on Thursday. People, Some people draft into the regular season. Um, most of you will have your drafts done before the season, but there are the odd group of people who prefer to draft after a week or two so that they can draft more accurately to where a player is going to be, which it still doesn't give you like a whole season view of how things are going to be. But if you've seen guys play for a couple weeks, it helps you more in the other sports than baseball, admittedly, especially in basketball. If you give it a couple weeks and then you draft baseball, you don't really know what's going to happen. So there will be time for him to still move up in drafts a little bit. But he is really a bargain at pick 137. Let's move on to Logan Gilbert. We're bouncing back and forth between starters and relievers today. Just trying to give you some good value picks and good players to stay away from, too, in the odd case uh, in these later rounds. Logan Gilbert, very highly touted prospect playing. He's now into his second year. On a very good Mariners team, on a sneaky, sneaky good Mariners team, 
Logan's being taken at pick 160. I like him in that range. I think he's a good flyer. Now, we're still early enough in the draft that you can make a boneheaded move in this area and it can't hurt you. There is that potential with a Logan Gilbert. Um, there's a chance that he's doesn't quite figure it out yet. He will figure it out eventually. He has the stuff. Absolutely, no question. Logan Gilbert's going to be a standard fantasy baseball pitcher for the next 10 years. He's going to be one of those household, maybe not household because he plays in Seattle, but he's going to be one of those household baseball fan names. He is, I'm very confident in what he can do. And granted, the numbers last year were not good. They weren't terrible. He struck guys out and the whip wasn't really high, but the ERA was fairly high, 468. You know, I'm looking for him to turn it around this year. I'm looking for him to come back, not to come back, but to come out strong, come out of the gate stronger this year. You know, now he's had a full spring training to go through. He was called up last year. He didn't break camp with the team last year. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think I'm right about that. Yeah, he came up midway through the season last year. So now he'll have had a full spring. He's known these guys for longer. I, I just There's a lot of things to feel comfortable and confident about with regards to Logan. I think he's a, I think he's a Fairly safe pick in the 160 range. I like him there. Uh, let's talk Anthony DiScofani. Someone who, at points, was a savior to me last year in fantasy. Just one of those waiver pickups who was fantastic. He was the 71st ranked player last year, which it feels really crazy. Um, for those of you who like know baseball over these last few years, he's not, <clears throat> excuse me, he's not one of those like I was just saying, household names. Uh, good pitcher. Like last year, he was great. But I'm not sure what exactly to expect from him. The career ERA is 4.06. This last season, he was definitely the best he's ever been. And he honestly probably should have been an all star. He had that, you know what? Yeah, 3.17 ERA, 13 wins. Uh, he could have been an all-star. That's how good he was last year. Now, there was something kind of magical about the Giants last year, too, that might not be sustainable. And now there's no Buster Posey. So we have to look at the effect that that's going to have on pitchers this year for San Francisco. Now, he'd only had one year with him, but there is something to be said about losing a backstop of that caliber, a frame, a framer of that quality. A, a, Jesus, I can't find my words. A framer of that quality. To lose him is a huge loss. So we'll see who they fill in there. But that's something to keep an eye on for all San Francisco pitchers this year, especially ones who have been tenured there for longer, is they're going to have to get used to a new battery mate this year. So that is just another factor, one of the millions of factors uh, when you're drafting your teams to think about. I like Disco. That's his nickname for the uninitiated. 186 ADP feels very safe to me. If he can repeat what he did last year or even have a top 100, 120 season, then drafting him with pick 186, you know, I, I don't have any problem with that. Ranger Suarez is the next guy I'll talk about. He's going around pick 154. And he was a guy last year who was like down the stretch ridiculous. Now, I'm not totally sure what exactly the Phillies are going to do with him. I'm guessing that he's probably going to be a starter. 
But it's hard to say. He was a guy who I picked up last year when I was in need of saves after the trade deadline because he was ostensibly the closer there in Philadelphia. And then they started starting him, and I almost dropped him right away because I needed saves. I picked him up for saves. But he was so good starting games. Like, he was... He was fantastic. His ERA was 136, eight wins, four saves, 107 strikeouts. His whip was 100 exactly. So he averages one base runner per inning, which is sublime for a major league pitcher if you're averaging just one for your whip. Anything sub one is like beyond elite. But, you know, he was a weird kind of guy. Just came out of nowhere last season. And, you know, for where he's being drafted, 154, that feels like a decent risk to take. I mean, it will be a bit of a risk because, you know, who the hell is this guy? We don't know what what he's capable of long term. But if he can give you anything close to what he had last season, anything close at all, I mean, he's not going to have those saves, which definitely boosted his value. I'm assuming that they're going to start him. I could be off, but I think that he'll be a starter for them. I really like him. I really like him. Uh, in this in this draft range, it's kind of a low-key pick. You could probably even get him lower than this because, I mean, if you're playing in a league with your friends, right? Not every league is very serious now. I'm in a couple of leagues that are serious. I'm in one league that's not very serious. It's good to have a bit of a mix if you're really into baseball. In the less serious leagues where no one has really heard of Ranger Suarez, he's going to fall. Now, if you're talking pro leagues or baseball championship leagues, yeah, he's going to be drafted where he should be. And this goes to really a lot of different players, pretty much all of them. If you're playing in a less competitive league, there are certainly guys down the board where you can essentially take advantage of your league mates. And there is definitely potential uh, with Suarez. I'm not I'm not sold on him. I'm not sold on him by any means. And I don't think the baseball world is either. And that's why his ADP is where it is, despite how good he was last year. If you're someone who's not really familiar with baseball, then... You know, or if you're playing with people who aren't really familiar with baseball, it's more to the point, then he'll probably be falling very low. There's guys going below him that are more, not household names, but he's someone who really just popped up on the scene last year for half a year. And for those of you who rostered him last year, you know what he's capable of. If you didn't, then you're just looking at a good ERA from last year and you're seeing he was in the bullpen and you're not really sure what's going on. He's a sneaky late-round guy to draft. Let's talk about Alex Wood. I think he'll be our last guy we go over today. And, you know, another guy whose ADP seems really low, 214. I don't get it. I mean, 138 innings last year, which is not technically a full season. I mean, what even is a full season anymore for pitchers? The innings... The innings are so low compared to what they used to be that it's hard to really um, say what's a full season. I mean, 138 innings is fairly close. He started 26 games. You probably expect about the same, maybe more. 
there was something that he kind of came into his own last year. I know he had a really good season on the Dodgers a couple of years before, and he was actually an all-star because the Dodgers just pump out all-star pitchers. Alex Wood is someone who's being drafted after pick 200, who last year his ERA was under four, 383. Still going to be playing on a good team. He can strike you out, 152 Ks over 138. And the whip is not bad at 1.18. I don't really know why. Am I am I miss something? Like why he's falling down this late? I think he's someone to really keep an eye on in this range. A quality lefty, which, I mean, quality lefties are not abundant. And they're kind of fun to roster, I find. I don't know why. That's kind of just a weird me thing. I really like left-handed pitchers, which is kind of why, um, not just this reason, but it's one of the reasons why I prefer Josh Hader over Liam Hendricks. I just feel like there's something else. There's another dimension with the lefties that's just, I don't know. So as someone who throws right-handed, I really like left-handed pitching. And that'll, I don't know. It's kind of just if two guys are similar, one of them's lefty, one of them's righty, I'll take the lefty. And that's kind of where I am with uh, Hayter and Hendricks, even though I think Hayter's better. But back to Wood, like even just compare him to DeScalfani, like I think Wood is better than DeScalfani. And maybe part of that is the lefty thing because it's just more unique. He's being drafted like 30 picks later. So there's also that. And DeScalfani is not totally proven for me other than last year where Wood actually had, you know, a few seasons back, he was an all-star. He had a really solid year. I think he was 16-3. and three. Uh, ERA low. ERA was 272 that year. He was really, really good that year. If he can be somewhere between that 272 guy and the 383 guy he was last year, then you're laughing at pick 214. You're absolutely laughing. And he'll be a guy you can roster the whole season. He won't be... A guy who you think, oh, maybe you'll have to drop. He might be like a stream guy. He'll be a rosterable guy throughout the season. I'm fairly confident on that. So we're going to pretty much wrap it up there. Just a couple of little uh, announcement things. Uh, Tomorrow, we will be having a lot of fun. Uh, We're going to have our first guest on the show. We'll keep it a surprise until tomorrow. And we're also going to go over the results of one of my money leagues. It's hard to say exactly what is my main league because I am in a bunch of them, a few different money leagues. But this is one that I, uh, a draft that I was in last night. I feel very confident about this team. And there were a couple of questionable uh, choices made by, by everybody. I made one or two questionable late round choices and already that I'm starting to regret a little bit. But we'll go over that tomorrow. We'll we'll talk about uh, it's a twelve team category league on Yahoo, standard categories. So we'll go into that tomorrow, and we'll also talk with our guests tomorrow, and we'll uh, we'll hype you up a little bit before the show, perhaps tomorrow with a couple of tweets and whatnot. But uh, it should be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, the day after that, we have Major League Baseball games. So tomorrow there'll probably be a part of the show for sure on Thursday, but there'll probably be a small part dedicated maybe at the end to just a quick preview of players who are playing tomorrow or players who are playing on Thursday, I should say. It'll be tomorrow, tomorrow. Uh, 
So we will touch on, there probably won't be lineups yet, but we'll touch on some starters perhaps. And um, we'll see what other news breaks over the next couple of days that we'll go over. But we are right about to hear the starting pistol fire on the regular season. And that's when this really becomes a lot of fun. And that's when it becomes a lot of work as well in all these leagues to see who has value in what leagues and why they have value. And I'm going to be very specific in terms of my player evaluations throughout the season. In terms of what league a guy happens to be in, um, what kind of scoring that league is in, not what league a guy is in, but what what kind of production you expect from a player in a certain format. That's a better way of saying that. Um, if a guy is really good on the category side, but very bad on the points side, or vice versa, there are guys like that. There are guys who just hit a certain category, and there are guys who hit a couple different categories, but they kill you in the percentages, so they're better on the point side. We'll talk about that more as we go on this season, um, but that'll be more of what the show looks like uh, on a daily basis. We'll go into game recaps. Uh, we'll talk about players to drop, players to add. We'll do a quick uh, daily fantasy sports segment, which I uh, was asked about on Twitter yesterday. So we don't have uh, DraftKings and FanDuel where I am in Ontario, in Toronto, Ontario, Canada anymore. It is now, they're not, a, they're not a thing here anymore because they've legalized sports betting in Ontario. And I mean, maybe there'll be a DFS part of that somewhere. I'm not sure. Now, I, I love DFS. I've always been more of a Yahoo DFS person anyway. So at the end of the show every day, at some point in the show, probably closer to the end, uh, I'm going to be giving you my personal Yahoo DFS line. So full disclosure, there won't be any, maybe this guy, maybe that guy. I'll show you who I'm putting my money on every day. And that should hopefully give you guys a bit of confidence in my picks. When there's money on the line, there's always more interest involved. And every day I will be at least one DFS tournament I'll be entering every day, just because I really love DFS and I'll probably be in a season long DFS thing as well. Um, I'm a total fantasy sports nut. If you guys haven't figured that out yet, if it's a fantasy sport, then I'm probably interested interested in it in some way, except for NASCAR. That's about the only one that I haven't ventured into so far, but who knows? I'm young. We'll see where we go from here. I'd like to thank, uh, as we wrap up here, I'd like to thank everybody who's continued to tune in now. We are on show 12 now, I believe. Um, but the demos are probably at about 15 or so. But 12 official proper shows. Uh, I'd like to thank all you guys who have supported me here and on Twitter. And a ton of Twitter followers and DMs and stuff coming in the last couple of days. So I really do appreciate that. If you guys ever have any questions regarding baseball, fantasy baseball, Sports world in general. I'm always I'm always here to listen. You can hit me on Twitter at Joe Orico. So it's at J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O. And you can go ahead and follow the Ethos Fantasy BB Twitter account. That's E-T-H-O-S Fantasy BB. Now daily, both of those accounts post out this show. Um, and for my account in particular, going forward, I'm going to be posting daily lists of players who have been added and dropped in certain in certain circumstances and talking about whether or not that makes sense to me, whether I agree with it or not. Um, 
that'll be a huge part of my Twitter presence is letting you know guys who are droppable, guys who are must-add guys. That'll, that'll be a large part of it in interacting with you guys and answering your questions and trade scenarios, things like that. There should be some uh, buy low, sell high stuff as well. But that's that's pretty much what the show is going to be like going forward. It'll be recaps, it'll be players to add and drop, and it'll be some DFS stuff. And I'm going to try and mirror that as much as I can on Twitter. So guys, thank you so much for continuing to tune in, download, follow, subscribe, all of that good stuff. It makes me very, very happy to see, even if one new person is listening to the show. And that is a good... That's one of my targets, just every day, uh, one new person. So to the one new person for today and the rest of you, I really appreciate it. And we'll see you tomorrow. Take care, guys.